0: Hello there. We greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, Today is April the 15th. Normally it would be tax day, but I believe that the federal government has given you all an extra month, given all of us rather an extra month to get our taxes in. Uh, So uh, with it being April 15th, um, but even greater than that, it's a wonderful opportunity for us to study the Word of God. And so I pray That uh, you all have your what I call sword, uh, the word of God, um, the constitution of heaven, uh, as we prepare to do our study as far as today is concerned. We know that currently uh, in this country, we're dealing with so much, particularly those of us who have been kissed by the sun, uh, those of us who uh, have um, endured the wonderful uh, uh, capacity of being uh, a melanated hue. And uh, it seemed like if it's not one thing, it's another. Uh, We, of course, know what's going on as far as the Charbon trial in Minneapolis, along with Dante Wright, now uh, very close to us in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, Our brothers and sisters are protesting uh, army sergeant who tried to kick a young black teenager out of his neighborhood, out of his neighborhood. So it's, it's always something when it comes to uh, those of us who are of what I call sable hue. And, and yet we continue to uh, persevere and the Lord continues to allow for us to, to press on and uh, God gets the glory for that. And so really what I want to talk about today is suffering um, when uh, it comes to doing what the Lord will have for us to do. Uh, There are some things that we wind up suffering for as far as our lives are concerned. Uh, If you are speeding and you get caught uh, and you get a ticket, uh, you can't say you're suffering for the sake of the Lord. Uh, If you steal something and you're caught And you have to go to jail. That's not suffering for the Lord. However, if you are preaching the gospel, if you are sharing the word of the Lord with someone, if you're living right and folks persecute you because you are a Christian, uh, people persecute you because uh, you believe in Jesus, uh, then that's when you're suffering for the sake of our Lord, and so I want to kind of uh, focus in on that. And a good passage that will help us to deal with that, as far as uh, this moment is concerned, is First Peter, chapter twelve, uh, verse. First um, Peter, chapter four, uh, verses twelve through nineteen. So before I get started, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer, and then uh, we'll go through mark up our text. And then we'll talk about uh, the text that we are called to uh, study as far as this time is concerned. God, we come to you right now and we um, wanna thank you for another wonderful opportunity to study your word, to learn more of Thee and Lord right now for uh, people who are dealing with uh, being persecuted just because of the color of their skin. Uh, in Minneapolis and in Columbia and in various parts of this country and other parts of the globe. Uh, God empower us to stand tall and bold uh, and stand up for what is right and stand up for our own liberation and dignity. Lord, as we prepare to study your word, we pray that you will illuminate our hearts and our minds so that we can learn more of Thee, so we can take what we are gathering and apply it to our lives so that we can be better disciples. So, Lord, you, the master rabbi, uh, come and teach us your precepts. Let your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Uh, it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So, First Peter chapter 4, starting at verse 12, we want to Uh, unpack this and let's see where the Lord will take us as far as this time of study is concerned. Starting at verse 12, beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer or a busybody in other people's matter. Ooh, that's going to be fun to talk about. Yet if anyone suffers... As a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this manner. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and sinner appear therefore let those who suffer according to the will of god commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator so let's go ahead and let's mark this up and um as one of my mentors bishop uh walter scott thomas will say let's get all the butter out of this duck that we can in verse 12, beloved, do not think it's strange. I want you to highlight the word strange uh, concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. I want you to highlight that phrase, the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. I want you to highlight the word strange. And I want you to draw a line from the strange and B clause to the strange and A clause. But rejoice to the extent that you partake in that you partake of Christ's sufferings, if you would underline that phrase. That when his glory is revealed, you may be glad with exceeding joy. If you would underline the phrase, his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. And if you would circle the word glory, verse 14. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. If you would, highlight the phrase reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory, if you would, circle the word glory. Draw a line from the word glory in verse 14 to the word glory in verse 13. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. If you would highlight that phrase on it, on their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. There's a contrast between those two phrases. Verse 15, but let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a As a busybody in other people's matters. If you would underline that whole verse and circle the word suffer. Verse 16. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this manner. Highlight verse 16 and then circle the word suffer. And then if you would draw a line from suffer in verse 16 to suffer in verse 15. Verse 17, for the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and sinner appear? Highlight all of that. Verse 19 Therefore, let those who suffer, circle the word suffer, draw a line from the word suffer in verse 19 to suffer in verse 16, according to the will of God and commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. If you would underline from the word according to the will of God, underline that whole phrase. Now, let me, if I could, just drop this bombshell for a moment um, and really debunk what has been happening as far as uh, this age and this culture is concerned. When you take living for Jesus seriously, when you're very sincere about serving God, about leading people to Christ, about standing up for righteousness, you are going to suffer. Let me say that again. When you're serious about serving God, you're going to suffer. And unfortunately, there's no escaping it. Now, I want to unpack this in a very intentional way. Because in verse 12, what we see is that Peter opens up by making note that these are people he loved that he is speaking to. That's why he comes off by saying, beloved, don't think it's strange. Don't be surprised when you have to go through a fiery trial that will try you as if this is some strange thing happening to you. Okay. Now, as we unpack this, what Peter is trying to do is warn these particular readers of this letter of a more intense period of suffering, of persecution that's going to come their way. And you got to remember that when the, the early church came into existence. The early church basically. Underwent suffering. One of the key persecutors of the church, particularly when you start reading Acts chapter Acts chapter um, nine, well, really starting in chapter six and seven through chapter nine, you will see that one of the early persecutors was Saul, and of course, Saul becomes Paul, and he becomes a major church builder. So Peter is saying, don't think it crazy or odd or strange when you have to endure some hard times. Now, it's interesting that he uses this word in the New King James Version concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. And I think that part of that goes back to the fact that if anyone knows anything about early church history, coupled with Roman history, there was a diabolical Caesar by the name of Nero. And Nero was just horrible as far as uh, persecuting Christians. Um, Back then, the Christians were blamed for the burning of Rome. And some of them, Christians, men and women, were covered with tar. And they were used as living torches to light the imperial gardens of Nero's um, dwelling. That is how diabolical Nero was. Now, we are not in 2021 in that type of persecution, particularly here in the United States, but in various parts of the world, there are Christians who are persecuted for the sake of the gospel. And what... Peter is saying here is don't think it's strange. The word strange here is really interpreted. Don't be surprised. Don't be astonished when you have to deal with craziness like this. Okay. Um, He is saying don't be surprised that you are enduring this. Because like Christ, Christians will have to suffer every now and then. Now, is Peter talking about a singular child or is he talking about a spread out period of martyrdom? Scholars kind of differ on that. However, there is this connection again to that period of persecution that the church suffered because it was very intense it was very brutal it was very horrible so whenever the church is doing what the Lord will have for it to do whenever Christians are doing what the Lord will have for us to do there are going to be some times that we will find ourselves in moments of suffering now Let me tell you what suffering isn't (laughs) what we have seen as far as this pandemic is concerned. There are some churches who are saying, you know, uh, we're suffering for the sake of Jesus Christ because we can't really open up during the pandemic. That's not suffering. Here in America, we're, we're not really enduring any significant persecution as far as our faith is concerned. Not yet. Not yet. And and, and what some people are are calling suffering is really an inconvenience based upon their political and theological positions, but it ain't suffering. It ain't suffering. Nobody is stopping us from preaching the gospel. Nobody is stopping us from sharing the good news. Okay, so so that's not suffering. When it gets to the point where they say, we're going to throw you in jail if you preach in the name of Jesus, like they did the apostles back then. Or we're going to burn you if you talk about Jesus like they did the martyrs back then. That's when you're suffering. But, but we're not really suffering um, here in America. Uh, in a sense, we have been inconvenienced by this virus. Uh, And some people, they still gathered as far as churches were concerned. Um, But you and I are not suffering. okay? not like they did, not like they did. But notice what Peter says, and, and he picks this up in verse 13. He says, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that When his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Suffering for the sake of the master should cause rejoicing because as we as disciples suffer, we identify with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now notice, this is not talking about you getting a new house or a new car or new money. This is not some prosperity gospel. This is when you're doing right and suffering comes your way. And we share in the sufferings of Christ and there are several things that happen. And let me give you the the four things that, that happen according to scripture. Number one, we have joy with Christ. Number two, we have fellowship with Christ. Number three, we are glorified with Christ. And then number four, we shall reign with Christ. Now, let's be honest. I'm put the hay where the cows can get it. I don't know about anybody else, but I sure wish that there was another way to make identification with Jesus Christ rather than suffering. I, I, you know, I'm just telling you where I am, how I feel, because I don't like to suffer. I ain't going around looking for painful situations to interject myself in and to take upon myself. I I would rather, if I had my way, to have the Lord to find some other way to develop my spirituality and my character rather than suffering, okay? However, suffering really becomes the catalyst that puts us in the, the place where we truly belong to Jesus. Now, I know you ain't gonna like what I'm getting ready to say, but Jesus said in John 15:20, 20, um, the servant is not greater than the master. If they persecuted me, they're gonna persecute you. And we don't wanna hear about that. We don't like hearing about that. But when you think about the apostles, Peter was beaten within an inch of his life you think about the apostle Paul. Paul was whipped, r- run out of town, beaten within an inch of his life. Um, the apostles were thrown in jail for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ for just mentioning his name. And they were threatened. Said, we'll let you go if you don't ever mention his name. And the apostle said, we'll rather obey God than men. And they got continued, torn out of frame. So, so, so Peter... Knows from personal experience what it means to suffer for the sake of the gospel, and and and, and this is where I really want to 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 um, make a connection because I want you to look at a word that blesses me as far as this text is concerned, but. Rejoice to the extent yet you partake. That word partake in the Greek is a derivative of the word koinonia. (laughs) And koinonia is to be in communion with or to fellowship with or to be in close relationship. Koinonia is a derivative of what the church is, a local fellowship, okay? Okay. So that word partake of Christ's suffering is really linked to the church. It's really linked to the church, okay? So if we suffer for the sake of the gospel, it shows our identification with Christ and it shows that our faith is for real. And because Jesus Christ was persecuted, we will possibly be persecuted also. And therefore, if we're persecuted for the sake of the gospel, because of our relationship with Christ, we participate in Christ's suffering. And if we hang in there, we will enjoy and be glorified with him because we suffered for him. And we suffered with him. All right. Now, let me clear up a perception. Because not all suffering is because you're doing the work of the master. Okay. Let me say that. Uh, Not all your suffering is because you're doing what Jesus would would have for you to do. Uh, uh, Sometimes we bring suffering on ourselves. Because of our attitude or our negative actions, and, and 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 it takes somebody to to counsel you, to help you to determine the real cause of suffering. But I want you to know that if you suffer because of your loyalty to Jesus Christ, He promises to be with us all the way. All right, and 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 this is why I think that we take Matthew chapter twenty-eight, that verse. Where it says, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. We take that out of context because basically what winds up happening is we think that Jesus is going to be with us through everything that we do. But really, the proper context is that when you are doing what Jesus has called and assigned you to do, he has promised to be with you. He has promised to be with you. All right, so let me let me move on because here is Peter now talking about in verse 14, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. Um, and he kind of picks up what I call a beatitude perspective. Uh, if you are reproached or if you are insulted because of the name of Jesus, Consider yourself blessed, and and I think that he, here Peter is referring to Jesus's teaching again, and 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 I want to lift up uh, the beatitudes as far as as that's concerned, and and I think that one of the beatitudes says, "Blessed are you when you are persecuted and say all evil a manner against you falsely for my sake." That word blessed in the Greek is translated happy. I don't know how we can be happy, uh, but I think that that level of happiness is predicated upon the fact that we have the Holy Spirit operating in our lives that brings a sense of peace and fulfillment even when we're going through persecution. So here's a major bombshell I want to drop on you that when we suffer for the sake of Christ, it's not a penalty, but a privilege. Let me say that again. When we suffer for the sake of Christ, it is not a penalty, but it's a privilege. So what does that suffering look like? Because right now in verse 14, it says, if you're reproached for the name of Jesus, And when we look at the word reproach, the word reproach can mean insulted. And when we think about insults, that could be verbal abuse. That could be you being ridiculed. That could be you being lied on. Uh, It could be slander. Um, uh, It's more verbal. And how many of us, if we're honest, Know that when we start really trying to do what God wanted us to do, we start hearing all kinds of things about us. Uh, and in this age of social media, uh, that happens. I, let let me say something that that I that I saw happen. Um, I, I lost a sister in in the faith, Dr. Kim Credit, last week. Um. um She died suddenly. And unfortunately, on on Facebook, someone had the unmitigated gall to put that she died of the vaccination. They slandered her in her death because they said she died of the vaccination. And that is so far from the truth. And so even in life or death, you'd be surprised what folks will come up with. Now, now, this is when you're doing what the Lord would have for you to do. When you're being persecuted for the sake of the gospel. Um, I face it. Many others have faced it. Uh, and you'd be surprised that when when, be surprised of the stuff that folks will make up about you because they don't know you. Uh, You'd be surprised of the things that folks will come up with as you're trying to work your part of the vineyard. Uh, It's just absolutely amazing. And unfortunately, in this age of social media, uh, a lie, ridicule, slander will go around the globe several times before before the word of truth gets up out of bed and puts his shoes on. Unfortunately, that's where we are in this age and time. But notice what happens here. Because Peter is saying, it's not a penalty, it's a privilege. The spirit of glory, and he's really referring to the Holy Spirit's indwelling presence in us. The spirit of glory and God... um, rest upon those who are identified by the name of God, uh, of Christ, and we're suffering for the sake of the gospel. Jesus sends his spirit to strengthen those of us who are persecuted because of our faith in him. And where does Peter get this from? I think that that Peter, because again, Peter is a Jew, so, so Peter knows Old Testament, and I believe that he picks this up as far as The writings of Isaiah is concerned, uh, particularly uh, Isaiah uh, chapter 11, verse two, where it says the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, wisdom and understanding that is um, us taking what God gives to us internally and being able to comprehend it of counsel and might. That is us receiving words of counsel from somebody that has been spirit marinated to be able to share and strengthen us internally and perhaps even externally. And the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Knowledge comes from uh, everyday experiences and and, and insights as far as uh, education is concerned and the fear of the Lord. And that fear of the Lord is reverence, it's respect for the Lord. So, So Peter is really picking up this motif to encourage those persons who go through persecution, that God's glory will show up in a very powerful way and will empower you to do some stuff that you never thought you would do. I think about, Stephen, uh, one of the first deacons, that when he was being persecuted and they were stoning him and he preached with such power and he looked up to heaven and he saw Jesus standing up at the right hand of God the Father and it emboldened him. That's what can happen when you And I are doing what the Lord will have for us to do. In other words, sometimes we got to take the heat. Uh, How do we deal with insults? The inner person really wants to say, if you cuss me out, I'm coming back at you. The inner person says, you shoot my dog, I'm coming after your cat. But when it comes to us doing things God's way, how should we deal with insults? Does Peter really mean that we should give blessings when we've been insulted? That when folks dog us out and talk about us, does Peter really mean we should bless folks? Um, This is hard. But God turns stuff upside down. When you're insulted, you want to hit back. God wants those insults received because of your allegiance to him to witness. God's grace and love. And that takes the Holy Spirit. Because if you and I as disciples of Jesus, if somebody hits us, we want to hit back. What's so different about God? But if you love back, if you're kind, perhaps the offender will see something different about you and realize that God does make a difference. Now, be honest, that's hard to do. Especially in this day and age. Especially in this day and age. Peter, prior to the day of Pentecost. When they came to take Jesus in the garden, he cut somebody's ear off. After the day of Pentecost, Peter preached with such vim and vigor that 3,000 souls were added to the church. There was a time Peter would have hit back. But when Jesus, through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, took charge of his life, he became stronger and more confident in God. Uh, Again, this is not easy to do. This requires Holy Ghost power in order for you to do that type of living. And I'll be honest, quite a few of us never, ever get there. Because we still operate with some sense of carnality. Let me press on. So, notice what Peter says in verse 15 but let none suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Uh oh. Peter is telling us that persecution is no excuse for lawlessness. This is the difference between a disciple of Jesus Christ and other folks. Let me say that again. Peter is stressing that persecution is no excuse for lawlessness. Now, let me put that within the context of 2021. Because when we think about lawlessness and when we think about non-retaliation, I am not talking about the nonviolent approach to dealing with the systemic issues of oppression that we see in today's society. I'm not talking about that. As a matter of fact, that's really suffering for the sake of Christ. All right? Um, when our civil right forebearers and even those in today's culture who protests nonviolently, who stand up against systemic oppression and police brutality, um, who are not engaging in rioting, even though rioting is considered to be the voice of the unheard. We, as disciples of Jesus Christ, are called to look different. That even as we engage in those protests, Christians should not be breaking out windows. Uh, Christians should not be burning up stores and things like that, not followers of Jesus Christ. But followers of Jesus Christ should be standing up against systemic oppression, but we should not be engaging in law Notice what he says. We're not to retaliate in that manner. Physical violence should not be met by murder. Confiscation of property is not to be compensated for by you stealing. No matter what we're going through, we should do nothing that would justify punishing us as criminals. Watch it. Even in interfering in other people's affairs, is out of place for us as Christians. Uh oh. This this is where it gets real good. If we're to suffer, if we're to suffer. It ought to be because of our faith, and we should not be counted among those who murder and who steal and who meddle in other folks' business. They deserve punishment. They deserve suffering, and there's no blessing in that type of suffering. And yet, Peter continues to remind us, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this manner. Now, this is the, I believe, third time that the word Christian is mentioned in the Bible. The first time is in Acts chapter 11, verse 26, when they were first called Christians at Antioch. The second one is, I believe, Acts 26. Uh, around the 27th, 28th verse, um, and here. And in those writings in Acts, the word Christian was used uh, like the N-word is used on us in today's culture. It was not a term of endearment, but rather it was a term of derision. So what we see here is that If we suffer for the sake of Christ, that ought to induce a moment of praise because God is being glorified. It's no shame to suffer for the sake of righteousness. And again, Lord knows, I wish there was another way that God, through Christ, by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit could really develop our spirituality. Even when we suffer in public for the sake of the gospel, there's this sense of shame and disgrace. But I want you to know that when you are doing the right thing and you suffer, don't consider it disgrace. God in some shape, form or fashion is being glorified because we are disciples representing him and God will honor our faithfulness. And then notice what, 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 what he does as far as really knocking it home now. And when we look at verse 17 and 18, it's kind of like a couplet because what has happened is that Peter has been talking about persecuting uh, and facing Uh, trials that refine and define and prove our faith. Um, Some of those things are the will of God, but then he adds that God will allow persecutions even as a form of discipline to purify the lives of those who call themselves God's children, all right? Peter is warning that God is going to judge all of us based on our deeds. So every person, saved or unsaved, every person, Christian or non-Christian, every person, atheist, agnostic, or believer, is going to be judged according to our deeds. Okay, this this is verse seventeen. And what we have to understand is that God also disciplined those who are part of the body of faith. So he adds that God, when judgment comes, it's going to start with the household of God. And if God's going to judge us, that are doing what he wants us to do? What about those who aren't doing what God wants them to do? What about those who disregard God? What about those who uh, don't care anything about God? Because this is the unpacking that I really want to drill down on As far as where we are right now, because I believe that as far as this passage is concerned. That Peter wants us to understand that you don't have to fear judgment. If you're living according to the word of God. And so what Peter may be dealing with when he talks about judgment begins at the house of God is talking about. Either the judgment starting in Jerusalem or in the temple or in the church, but he wants us to understand that all of us are going to be judged. So, God often allows believers to sin and then experience consequences for their sins. Okay? And he does this for several reasons. Number one, when we sin, he shows us, yep, you may be saved, but you still have the potential to sin. The other thing that God does is that he turns us from our sin and makes us more dependent upon him. The other thing that he is doing is he's preparing us to face perhaps even stronger temptations. And he wants us to stay faithful to him and keep trusting him. For believers, God's actions refine us like fire to turn us away from sin. And we who believe must learn to recognize and accept God's discipline, even sometime in painful situations. Now, that's something we don't like to talk about. We don't like to talk about the fact that God at times will put God's children in check. We don't like to talk about discipline. We don't like to talk about judgment. We don't like to talk about the fact that every now and then God's got to put us in check. Now, if God has put us in check, those of us who are his children, those of us who claim to know him as Lord and Savior, what about those who just totally disregard him? Who do not obey the gospel? For them that refining fire does not make them better, it becomes a fire of judgment. And, and, and where does where does where does he pick this up from? In verse 18, and if it's hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly? Now Peter is quoting Proverbs eleven. Verse 31, Proverbs 11, verse 31 says, if the righteous will be recompensed on earth, how much more the ungodly and the sinner? If the righteous one, believers experience difficulty in their refining process, how much more horrible will the great disaster experience for eternity by the ungodly and the sinners who choose to reject Christ? this is a hard teaching. Now, Peter is not teaching that salvation is earned through suffering or through personal trials or through works. But what Peter is trying to get us to understand is that those who are saved aren't exempt from God putting us in check. And if God puts us in check, then what about those Who claim no allegiance to God, who basically gives God the finger, and say, I'm gonna do whatever I want to do. Judgment begins with the household of God. Certainly, what about those who claim to disregard God? Let me bring this on in and let's close out. So Peter says, Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God, commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, be sure that when you suffer according to the will of God, if you haven't committed any crimes, if you're suffering because you are a disciple, he is encouraging us to maintain our faith and commit our lives and our spirits to our God, knowing that God will take care of us. Now, again, let me just say, and I wanna be honest, It's difficult, it's difficult to accept that suffering could be a part of God's plan. It's difficult to suffer for faith. It's difficult to suffer according to the will of God. And, and, And whenever we suffer because of the will of God, it ain't because God ain't in control. Rather, all that happens to us as disciples happens according to God's permissive will. There's a reason, there's a goal behind it. There's a purifying process that's going on in this moment. Now, if God did not exempt Jesus from suffering, and Jesus was God in flesh, what about you and me? That's why Jesus, when he was on the cross, was able to say, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. Peter knew that even in suffering that we got to continue to do good work. And that is our response to whatever persecution that we're enduring. And what does that good work look like? A good work look like what we as the church do. Uh, Feed the hungry, clothe the naked, um, contributing to missions, engaging in mission. That when people see us serving and volunteering and trying to make a difference in the lives of others, that's good work. And when they know what we're going through and we still do the good work, it causes them to wonder why and how we're able to do what we do. And part of that is because we know that this is what God will have for us to do. It is us committing our souls to God and doing good. In other words, it's us trusting God with all of our hearts. And this is what it really boils down to that as we go through persecution, as we deal with suffering moments, that we are called to trust God regardless. Good time, bad time, sunny days, stormy nights, whether we have a lot of money in our bank account or whether we don't have a dime to our name, we are called to trust God. And how does this trust work? It empowers us to overcome our fears whatever mess we're in, God's got us. It can empower us to overcome sadness at times so that it does not become like a weed in the garden of our emotions. And trust also allows us to overcome hate. That when mean people hurt us, uh, we can either hate them until we die Or we can trust God, but you can't do both. Let me say it again. You get to hate them until you die. Or you can trust God, but you can't do both. So God becomes that catalyst that empowers us. Always with us. Always keeping, disciplining, and tempering us to become like him. And so as I close Here's a statement that I want you to take with you as we close out this moment. Whatever you're going through right now, rely on God in your most dire circumstances. Proverbs is correct. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not into your own understanding in all your ways, Even in the midst of persecution, acknowledge him and know that God will direct your path. And you will understand that your suffering, your persecution when you're doing right, is not in vain. But God can and will not only reward you in the afterlife, but God has something for you even in the here and now. So trust God. Amen. Well, I hope and pray that this time of of learning has been a blessing to you and that it will strengthen your resolve as far as living out uh, your faith for God. And as we prepare to close out uh, this time, I just want to encourage you that here at St. Paul, the work of ministry and mission continues to go forward. St. Paul and those who are our friends and partners across this city and across this state and across this country, you have been a blessing to us as we've been a blessing to so many that can never repay us. And so as we move forward, uh, and if you desire to partner with us, I wanna encourage you right now, you can give at this moment. You can give either by sending your check a money order to the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, 28205. Or you can bring cash, check, or money order to the church. Call the church first to make sure that someone is here to receive your offering. We will place it in the safe and make sure it's counted the following Sunday. Or you can go online and through our website, Give, or you can give through the app called GiveLafive. Uh, You can do that even as I'm speaking to you right now. Uh, But I want to thank you for all that you have done as far as this moment uh, of giving and in these pandemic times. So thank you so very, very much. Before I go, I want to make sure that um, there aren't any questions. Um, Do we have any questions right now? No, Pastor, we don't have any questions. (laughs) All right. All right. Well, listen, God bless you. Uh, Heaven smile upon you. God's grace be yours. Let's close out with a word of prayer. God, seal this word in our hearts right now. Help us be more like Christ. Uh, Help us, oh God, that when we are dealing with suffering and craziness because we're doing your work, Strengthen our resolve right now. God bless all of those who are watching. And we pray that this word will uh, drop a seed on fertile ground. Take root and produce a harvest that will bring you glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, listen, God bless you. Heaven smile upon you. Next week, we will pick up on uh, chapter five. Uh, And that should be a wonderful blessing as far as uh, our conversation is concerned. Listen, God bless you. Have a smile upon you. Take care.